2: Welcome to another edition of Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick and my co-host, Larry Dersham, who is reporting from On Location tonight. I'm going to let him tell everybody exactly where he is. Have a wonderful show for you, Um, but Larry, so as not to steal any of your thunder, why don't you tell our listeners and guests, where are you broadcasting from this evening?
3: Yes, Wendy, uh, I am located at the Billy Graham Library in Charlotte, North Carolina, and we're so privileged to be in here right now and we'll have a guest at the second half that's really in charge of this whole operation. So yeah, let's go for the program now. So today we're fortunate to have back with us Robert Tyler, who is the founder, president, and general counsel for Advocates for Faith and Freedom, which is a nonprofit law firm dedicated to protecting constitutional and religious liberty in the courts. He has some additional information about some landmark cases he's working on that we didn't get a chance to cover the last time he was on, which was last week. So welcome back to
4: the program, Robert. So good to have you. Hey, thanks for letting me come on again.
2: So Robert, last time you were on, we discussed sort of the background to the lockdowns of California churches that were held to be non-essential businesses at the time by California state government, um, but we also talked, as we did at the time this was actually occurring, that liquor stores, marijuana dispensaries, uh, those were all open. And I, there's even some reports that strip clubs were open. I don't know. Sometimes I don't know yeah. what to believe about the, about this. But we're talking tonight about uh, a very specific case that you were working on. That was, of course, Calvary Chapel, San Jose versus the County of Santa Clara. Can you tell us the background of that lawsuit and then its current status?
4: Sure. We filed a lawsuit um, as we talked about last time in the, uh, during the lockdowns, the churches generally agreed to lock down and said, okay, we'll, we'll stay for a temporary period of time. And then we launched the Declaration of Essentiality and churches all committed to reopening on May 31st in 2020 on the the day of Pentecost. Such a great, wonderful day it was. And then uh, the county of Santa Clara um, continued on with some very restrictive uh, requirements with churches and said, well, if you're going to be a church, you can have no more than 25 people in attendance outdoors at a time. And we said that just that is erroneous because that there's the same limitations that are not placed upon any other commercial enterprise. So what we did was we filed a federal lawsuit, and we filed in federal court in the sa- in Northern District of California, which is a tough district to be to be litigating in, as you probably know. It's tough when you're representing churches in a very liberal arena, and so ultimately what happened was we uh, we filed suit. But within a few months, uh, the church was meeting. And so the County of Santa Clara came and they started to fine the church and they filed their own lawsuit in state court. So now we got a federal case and a state court case. The county ended up imposing over $4 million in fines against the church because they were meeting and gathering in person. So we wind up with this this just crazy obnoxious uh, fine, which we argue is in violation of the Eighth Amendment, Eighth Amendment. Excessive fines? I mean, how in the world is it justifiable for the county to come in and issue that many fines, especially when all of these other businesses are being allowed to be, to be open, the Costco's, et cetera, all these others. So um, we've been litigating this, even after the Supreme Court came down and said that the uh It was unlawful to limit uh, the size of church gatherings and it was unlawful to prevent church gatherings from ongoing. The county of Santa Clara continued and 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 they ignored the supreme court and so the great thing about all of this is in the end is it's been it's it, it's a big ship that is finally turning in federal court the 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 County of Santa Clara is still trying to get extract fines out of this small church. Now they dro- they they dropped the fines to $2.8 million because they were gathering in person. Now, what the court, what the federal judge said in our last hearing, she said, she said county to the county council, I don't think you want to die on this hill. This case is mushroomed out of control. You ought to get to a settlement conference and try to settle this thing right away. So very exciting news. Um, uh, And most recently, just yesterday, we had another great win in that case. Uh, The state, uh, excuse me, the the county of Santa Clara came in and tried to uh, ask the federal judge to put a stay on her case, to, to suspend her case so that the state court case could go on because, they're, they're having success in state court. That's where they got their fines. That's where they're trying to impose their fines. And they, and, and they don't want this judge who's clearly indicated how she's going to, uh, apparently, how she hopefully will rule at least. So they're trying to get her to put a stay. The judge said yesterday, nope, we're not going to put a stay on that. This case continues. And so we're really excited about this because finally, uh, you know, this is uh, probably one of the very last cases in the country. And, and this is really about freedom. And this is, this is a David and Goliath situation. This is a circumstance where the county council for the county of Santa Clara uh, went out and fancies himself as the, as the architect, effectively, of the lockdowns. The county of Santa Clara is the first county uh, in the country to issue a stay-at-home order. And then the state of California followed, and then the rest of the country followed them. This uh, gentleman is listed as a fellow with a Soros-affiliated uh, organization. It, it's, you know, we're in the middle of Silicon Valley, where you have all of big tech uh, who have so much political influence. This is one of those David and Goliath battles, and uh, it, it, we're just about picking up our little stones right now, and I think we're going to soon be able to fling them and, and hopefully win soon. Well,
3: Robert? Uh, I should ask this, how is Pastor Mike McClure and his congregation and staff holding up under all this pressure?
4: You know, what a what a testament to uh, men of courage, women of courage. This is a congregation who who comes to church, and the first time they came to church realizing that it's possible that they could all be arrested, but they came to church anyways— If it was going to happen anywhere in this country where someone was going to get arrested for going to church, it would have been here at this church. Uh, And uh, they didn't. Uh, Pastor Mike McClure himself has been personally uh, levied with fines uh, far in excess of $150,000, not just against the church, but against him personally. Uh, and he stands and says, look, you can take everything from me, but you're not going to take my right to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ.
3: That's fantastic. Hey, if I could quickly get into this, I understand you're also working on an election uh, uh, integrity type lawsuit. Could you tell us a little bit about what's going on with
4: that? Yeah, sure. You know, we are in the Ninth Circuit uh, on, on an election integrity lawsuit in California that relates to the fact that Uh, There were so many violations of uh, protocols, legal requirements from last election, such as uh, uh, observers not being able to observe, the lack of signature verification. There are so many problems. You know, our case is not, we, we are not trying to, at this point in time, step in and say, wow, the presidential election has to be reversed. That's not what this case is about. This case is about trying to restore integrity and force our government to, in California to uh, adhere to proper election procedures. And let me give you one really important story. I was in, 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 in 2020 uh, after the election, I went to uh, a county's uh, facility and was asking them, about uh their their software i i had, it was a great opportunity for me to be able to just have free conversation with the county clerk and the county clerk had um, dominion software and she showed me all the boxes where all the software was stored and i and it said made in china dominion voting made in china i've got pictures on my phone i said why in the world are we buying software from dominion made in china that just doesn't seem right well, she she laughed and said, "Well, you know, I mean, everything's made in China." And I said, well, "But what about Dominion? How come you chose Dominion voting software?" And what she said was, "She said the Secretary of State would only authorize in California the reimbursement to the counties for the cost of these systems if they bought, if they bought Dominion software." And to me, that just reeks of of something wrong.
2: You know, Robert, unfortunately, we're almost at the end of your segment, but uh, you know, there's just so many different kinds of lawsuits that you're involved with. Not to mention, we haven't even gotten into some of the, you know, the governor's endless stay-at-home orders and restrictions. I mean, there's just so much you're involved in. We'll probably have to have you back again, but We just want to say thanks for all the the good work you're doing and really just, you know, shining a spotlight on some of the issues and having the conversation. I think more than anything else, it's interesting that we really should be furthering these conversations. So thank you so much for joining us. However, for our listeners, we want to make sure you stick with us. We have to take a short commercial break, but please don't touch that dial. We have a lot of must hear news on the other side of the break. You're listening to today with Dr. Wendy. We will be back in a flash.
1: News cycle lowlights have no place here. You're listening to the headline highlights on Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. It's time for more news you can use. The headlines streamlined. It's time for more Today with Dr. Wendy. Now here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick.
2: Welcome back to Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick, and while I'm in California, my co-host Larry Dersham is live on location at the Billy Graham Library in Charlottesville, North Carolina, where he has a very special guest. Larry, tell us about who your guest is today.
3: Yes, Wendy. Today, I'm blessed to be broadcasting live from the Billy Graham Library and Billy Graham Archive and Research Center in Charlottesville, North Carolina. And we have as our guest Dr. David Bruce, Executive Vice President of the Billy Graham Archive and Research Center and Billy Graham Library. So welcome
5: to the program. Absolutely delighted to be here. And just so you all know, we're in Charlotte, North Carolina. Charlottesville is in Virginia. We would love to be there. That's a beautiful place. But we're centered in North Carolina in Charlotte. Wendy, we want you Californians to know exactly where we are when you come visit us. Is that good?
2: No. And, you know, I've been to your library uh, several times because we take a lot of Christian tours Oh, which that's is, wonderful. Yep, yeah, which, as you probably know, is based not too far away. So I've been there it's on several occasions.
5: Well, um, can wait for you to come back.
2: Oh, you, you bet. Um, I understand, Dr. Bruce, that you and your wife, Carrie, came to North Carolina in 1995. Yes, After spending years working to prepare the way for Billy Graham Crusades. Yes, and ma'am. while you apparently supported uh, Mr. Graham as his executive assistant, your wife supported Ruth. And that both you and your wife served alongside the Grahams until their death. And I was just wondering, what a wonderful blessing to have that kind of a relationship. Um, what was that like? I can imagine you'd probably tell me it was like a part, being a part of the family.
5: Well, it, they, were, they were very sweet and, and precious people, as you know. Part of the great joy for us, Carrie and myself, was just to support them so they could continue their ministry as long as God gave them breath and days. Mrs. Graham, of course, passed away in 2007. Mr. Graham would live another 11 or so years, dying in 2018. And after the period of of her loss, he began to preach a bit more and did video and some books. And so we're just delighted to have had that portion of their lives. These were unique people. And Wendy, as you know, having been here in the library in Charlotte, the the, uh, full expression of their lives is reflected here in this very special museum, a very special place. And that's why I'm happy today to encourage everyone listening to come visit us when they can. We love to have folks, especially from California, to come see us and from all over the country. Uh, Dr. Bruce,
3: for those who have never been to the Billy Graham Library, can you tell our listeners a little bit about it and when it's scheduled to reopen? Because I understand it's being renovated right now. And also you are just completing construction on the Billy Graham Archive and Research Center, which will be a 34,000 square feet facility that will house house Billy Graham's correspondence and records, his audio, video, and even his sermon notes. What an amazing thing. Could you tell us a little bit about both of those?
5: Happy to. Uh, It's not very often uh, in our ministry that we have three unique projects going on at once. Uh, but seated where we are today, we're in the library, which is the interactive uh, reflection of Mr. Graham's life and Mrs. Graham's as well. It is a museum. It's a dairy bar. It's a bookstore. We also have Mr. Graham's boyhood home here. And on the grounds, in a beautiful way, are the final resting places of the Graham's uh, Memorial Garden. Now, that's connected in this building to a brand new training center that's just being built on the side of the library. This is going to provide for us the first time, a multi-purpose room where we can train people in the principles of Billy Graham's ministry. When you think, Wendy, of young people and uh, Bible college students, missionaries and pastors, if we can help encourage the next generation to continue the ministry, evangelism ministry, that was so uh, reflected by Mr. Graham's life, it'd be marvelous. Then we're adding a third building, which is the Archive and Research Center. And for the first time in our history, we have the opportunity to bring all of the, what we would call historical treasures of Billy Graham's long life and ministry. You know, he lived to be 99, but he preached for nearly eight decades, uh, starting very early. And so what we have in that building are all the material, historical paper records of his day, uh, the ways in which God used him. You were talking earlier about, uh, Wendy, about Carrie and I setting up meetings, and one of the great meetings we were part of was 19... 85 in Anaheim at the uh, Anaheim, uh, the Angels uh, Stadium there. Just marvelous uh, when you think about it. But those kind of meetings didn't just happen. There was a year's worth of preparation. Now, those historical records are then part of what we've collected. Every meeting he was part of, and it's a chronicle of what God did in those days. Remarkable. Well, along with uh, memorabilia that was collected from all over the world, along with uh, photographs and audio and video that reflect how God used Mr. Graham. It's really a testimony of God's work in our world. And we're going to take all of that connected with the library connected to the new training center and to build as it were a sending equipping agency for the next generation of young preachers. Isn't that exciting?
2: You know, it is exciting. And your excitement is contagious. I mean, your enthusiasm in a world where most people are worried about the families of the kids in Texas and whether or not they have COVID and and this, that, and the other, your enthusiasm for the fact that God's the one in control of all of these facts and circumstances, not us. I mean, it is just obvious through the way that your attitude just shines. The types yeah. of classes and courses that you're going to be offering at this new facility, I would love to hear a bit about, as, as would our listeners. Yeah. Oh, uh, absolutely. What are the range of courses going to be about?
5: Well, there are tremendous things that occur on this property. Everything from women's events. Uh, we have a, a wonderful event just a week from uh, Saturday uh, in our major headquarters here for mothers and daughters. And it's a wonderful opportunity to bring uh, that age group together uh, to encourage Mothers about leading their daughters to know Jesus uh, that that we have known. We'll have men's events. We have uh, an event for bikers later uh, in in the fall. We have teaching events. Uh, We will have concerts. We'll also have training events where we bring pastors and others in to learn these principles I mentioned a moment ago. Now, all of this information is on the website, billygramlibrary.org, And there you can find not only information about the library, and it will reopen sometime in July, the new Archival Center to open around the 1st of August, uh, the Training Center a bit after that. All of the details of what we do are on the website, billygramlibrary.org, And we encourage everybody to look in and see what's available here in Charlotte, North Carolina.
3: Well, the Billy Graham Archive and Research Center, will that be open to the public?
5: It is open to the public in this sense. On the website, there'll be a form for people to register their interest in coming. And in doing so, they let us know the areas of their research. The library is open uh, six days a week to everybody. The research and archival center is primarily focused on pastors and students, uh, men and women who are studying on particular focus of ministry, and so we'll have a way for them to engage us and let us know they're coming, and that way we can have, and, and Wendy, you know this from all your educational background, but we would have their research materials ready to go as soon as they walk in the building, because we'll know what they're wanting to do while they're here. So yes, there's interaction all around this place, and again, information is best found on our webpage. We just can't wait to get everybody to come see us when we
2: reopen. Well, you know, what if, go ahead. One of the but, most uh, interesting things about Billy Graham that, uh, you know, my passion is outreach to unbelievers and the Billy yeah. Graham library has always been a venue that I thought was ideally situated to be attractive to believers and unbelievers Absolutely. because unbelievers are fascinated with Billy Graham. I mean, he's yeah. a larger than life rock star and yes, anybody of exactly. that caliber, you got to wonder, you know, who is he? And why did so many people follow him? So exactly I'm just, right. Yeah. I'm just curious, well, will your yeah. library research center or the, um, the training center also provide or offer classes that are geared towards seekers?
5: Oh, absolutely. And remember this, that when you think about this whole project here, Mr. Graham never wanted a memorial built to himself. It's that, and while we're reflecting his life, that's really not the heart of what we do. The heart is the gospel. Mr. Graham knew that through the library and eventually through the archive and research center, and certainly in the training center, that we're able to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to a world so desperate to understand truth, life, and hope. You were talking about hope a minute ago. That's what buoys us up around here. This is exciting. It's joyful to be able to share good news about life. When there's so much death around us so much confusion today so there is great joy here so yes it is an interactive place to learn more about jesus that's what it's all about well
3: as the world's evangelist do you think it was billy graham's desire that his ministry go on through the wonderful work of his son franklin graham who has the samaritan's purse which Absolutely. is an amazing thing and graham lots her preaching her books and and will graham Yes. I think he's the grandson.
5: Right? He's the grandson. He's he's uh, Franklin's son. Yes, what's amazing about this, it twofold. Number one, Mr. and Ms. Graham lived such an exemplary life. They weren't perfect by any means, not like any of us are. We're all sinners but the Holy Spirit of God was with them and they raised beautiful children who all today serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And certainly his ministry extends through his family. At the same time, when Mr. Graham was so often asked, who would take your place? He turned to the thousands of preachers around the world, faithful preachers of the gospel. And he said, it's you that carry on the work. So in some way, Mr. Graham's ministry continues like the New Testament church continues and it will never die until Jesus returns to take his church away to heaven. It's a a commitment of ours to continue to share the good news of Jesus Christ.
2: You know, and we're almost at the end of the show, but that is just a wonderful way to sort of wrap things up here. You know, we've had Anne Graham Lotz on our show. I don't know if Larry shared that with you, but you know, we're just such fans. We're going to try to work our way through the family and have everybody on. Um, That's perfect. We we are also going to actively promote, not that we need to, because the good Lord promotes it all on his own, Uh, this the the grand reopening of library well, centre, so we want to thank you very much for joining us and would like to thank you to our listeners. This has been one of my favorite segments, I'm broadcasting on location from one of my favorite places. So, yeah. uh, thank you very much thank for your time. You. Thank
5: you, Wendy. Always great to see you and my awesome. friends here beside me. So, we're grateful. Well, God bless you.
2: Thank you. You've been listening to Today with Dr. Wendy, Headlines with a Silver Lining. We are wishing you a good weekend and we look forward to seeing you back here next week. Have a wonderful, safe week, and God bless
1: you. Thank you for joining us for Today with Dr. Wendy. You can learn more about Dr. Wendy and how to become a guest or sponsor of the show by visiting wendypatrickphd.com. That's wendypatrickphd.com. Tune in every week at this same time as Dr. Wendy will engage and inspire you with an upbeat viewpoint on the highlights of the day.